It's simple biochemistry. It is simple biochemistry. And the, the, reason, the reason most doctors and specialists don't know it is because their biochemical training is weeks, not years, weeks. They don't learn it. They don't, so they don't understand it. Do you know, most, most doctors don't consider nutrition to be an important part of everyday health. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Welcome to Getting Your House in Order, the series that we have to help you feel your best and look your best. And today we have Dr. Carolyn Ledowski, and she's following up with her first episode about a month ago. And we are talking about the difference between folate versus folic acid and what exactly folate it means and what it is. So welcome, Dr. Ledowski. Thank you, Wendy. It's great to be here. How are you? So great. And thank you so much. It's your summertime in Australia. So you are back from vacay and hanging out with us. And I really appreciate that. Yes. First day back today. But I'm very sad to say I had the whole week in pouring rain. And now I get back to work and there's nothing but beautiful sunshine. It's Murphy's (laughs) Law, isn't it? Always the way that it happens. Always the way. But you're here. And this is going to shed so much sunshine on so many people. So I'm very excited. I hope so. Absolutely. So Dr. Carolyn, we left off with the whole B12 and methyl groups and protein sources and all this good stuff. And where should we pick up? What can people grab today to move them forward in their health quest? Okay, so I think one of the most important things we've, you've always heard people, you've got to eat your leafy green veggies. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that's become quite problematic over many years because A, our soils are not rich like they were before. Many people eat packaged or processed foods and there's not a leafy, lot of leafy greens in there. And we've gone away from eating, you know, that six to eight servings a day that we are meant to be having. So that's number one. So I think the lack of good vegetables, the lack of good leafy greens, which give us our folate is a problem. Then on the other hand, you've got a synthetic folate, which we call folic acid, which by law in the US and in Australia, you have to fortify foods with it, right? So your bread flour, so every loaf of bread on your supermarket shelf, almost every cereal that you have for breakfast has folic acid fortified in it. Many of your grain products and many of your packaged foods, so almost every packet we get off the supermarket shelf has synthetic folic acid. Why is that? Why did we decide we need to do that? We decided we needed to do that because there were poorer communities that were having a high incidence of neural tube defects. This was in the 70s and early 80s. And they said, well, A, they can't afford to take a prenatal multivitamin. And B, they are not eating enough leafy green vegetables to get their folate from because we all know that folate is the number one nutrient we need for fertility and for a successful pregnancy. 
So they said, well, what we'll do is we'll put this synthetic folic acid into all the food and that will help neural tube defects. By default, you get the folic but acid that you need. By default, you get it. Okay. And it did work because in these poorer communities, it did raise the folate levels enough where they reduced the folate, the incidence of neural tube defects. So that was good. It did its job. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we're coming forward 30 years and the amount of products that are now fortified with folic acid far outweigh what the public health policymakers ever thought that it would. So instead of getting minute amounts in, say, one or two slices of bread a day, we're getting it in everything that we eat. So maybe we take a step back and we say, okay, well, what's the difference between folic acid that we get in these foods and leafy green veggies? Because our leafy green, let's take spinach as an example, has folate in it. It's very rich in folate. So we eat that folate and it gets converted automatically in the gut to an active folate called tetrahydrofolate. And that's really good because we need that then. We talked about methyl groups last time. We need that then to make our biologically active folate. Now, folic acid though is different because it just doesn't automatically get converted. It needs an enzyme. We call that DHFR or dihydrofolate reductase for those who like the biochemistry. It needs this enzyme to do two steps to then convert it to tetrahydrofolate. But the problem is this enzyme only copes with a little bit each day. So the estimate is around about 200 micrograms is all that this enzyme will deal with. Anything above that, it shuts down the folate pathway. It actually shuts it down. It inhibits the enzyme so you can't convert it to the metabolically active folate. It freaks out. It freaks out because okay. it's too much. It can't deal with it. Okay. So where we, where the public health policymakers originally thought, oh, well, we should probably be giving everybody about 140 micrograms a day. That's good. The enzyme coped with that. But all of a sudden, now the estimate is 1,000 micrograms a day if you're having a multivitamin with folic acid and you're having all these packaged goods. So you think about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets up and they have their breakfast cereal fortified with folic acid. Kids go off to school, parents go off to work and they take a sandwich to work. They've probably had a couple of snacks along the way out of a packet has folic acid. They come home, they might have pasta or they might have something else out of a packet that again is fortified with folic acid. So we're actually shutting down, I believe, our good folate pathway. Now our good folate pathway is critical for mental health. It's critical for fertility. Fertility rates are rising more than they ever have. We've got greater rates of infertility. We've also got more anxiety and depression at a younger age. Mm -hmm. We've got hormonal issues. We've got detoxification issues because this whole pathway that this folate needs to support is our major detox pathway. So if we can't do that and we've got more detox issues because there's so many environmental whatevers affecting our detox pathways, then this is a major clog in the wheel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I believe what we should be doing is getting the folic acid out of our diet. And that's why I said to you last time, get back to the cooking, get out of the packets, eat your fresh veggies and and your meat and try and stay. And if you want bread, then buy an organic one. Doesn't have to have folic acid fortified by law. Some do. Here in Australia, the rule is if you buy an organic bread, you don't have to put folic acid in it, but you can. So you still always have to ask the manufacturer, by the way, are you putting folic acid in this bread? You still have to look, right? You still still have have to look. Really paid. Bring your readers with you. (laughs) Yes. And if you go to a little bakery, you ask, I always ask, I say, do you put folic acid in your bread flour? And they will either say yes or no. Is it like a powder? Like what? Yeah, it's like a powder that they put into their bread, bread making flour, but they have to by law. So in Australia and in New Zealand and no, not, I don't think it's New Zealand yet, but in definitely in the US, by law, every manufacturer has to put it in. 
Yikes. That's so and scary. And we don't know, Wendy. Like, okay, there are over three and a half thousand papers if you just want to Google unmetabolized folic acid, which is what they call this buildup of folic acid in the body. Okay. If you just Google that, mm-hmm. there's over three and a half thousand papers written on unmetabolized folic acid. And it's a fact. Right. And it's all just the fact that, yes, it does exist. So everybody in a fortified country has levels of unmetabolized folic acid in their bloodstream. Everybody. And the effects of this are what? We were talking so, last time about fat. You know, you store well, this more is, fat. This cortisol. is what isn't absolutely conclusive yet in the research. We definitely need more research. But the research okay. says at this point that they did a, a postmenopausal women's study that looked at a level of unmetabolized folic acid. And they actually found it reduced their natural killer cell count. So their ability to fight infection and fight diseases and fight viruses was decreased because their natural killer cells, their fighting cells were reduced. So that's because number one. Because of folic acid and their inability because of the overflow of it? Because of the overflow, because of this unmetabolized folic acid. There's also been studies that have linked it with breast cancer, prostate mm. cancer. There's almost every child or baby that's born that is breastfed has unmetabolized folic acid in their bloodstream. And when we consider that we have to have the metabolically active folate for our mental health, for our detoxification, for our hormones, I think this becomes a really big issue. Yeah, and most obviously. most people will say, you know, most scientists or researchers or even doctors, they go, oh, that's rubbish. Well, no, it's not. If you've got three and a half thousand papers written on a subject that says it definitely exists. And if you've got, say, 25 papers that link it to serious health conditions, I think you have to stand up and say, well, okay, if everybody's got to be more circumspect about what we're thinking about this. And particularly if it's affecting our good folate pathway, that's a massive problem. Oh yeah. So there's two things I'm thinking here and I'm sure the audience is as well. So one is what's the hang up on you as a doctor? What's the hang up on addressing what we see? Why aren't we addressing what we're seeing? And does it really come down to money and pharmaceuticals and politics and all that good stuff? Do you think? Look, I've just spent two years doing my honours research into this very topic. So looking at fertility and looking at the effect of methylfolate or the active folate on fertility. Mm -hmm. And research, unfortunately, is the be all and end all in every single person out there. Every doctor, every policymaker, everybody, the research has to be there and it's got to be more than one study. Right. And so unfortunately, what we see in clinical practice may not hit the policymakers and may not hit the regular GPs for 10, 15, 20 years. Yikes. And then we've got all that time for bad things to happen. We've now got a generation of kids that are depressed. Mm -hmm. They're unmotivated. They've got weight issues. They've got serious health issues at a younger age. Like we have to do something about it. And what I would say to every single one of your listeners, tell your daughters, tell your sons, tell your kids, tell your grandchildren, tell anyone you want to tell to avoid folic acid in the food. Now that's going to make it a bit harder, but we've got to make an effort to actually think about what we're eating and almost go back to basics. If you want a cake, make it yourself. Make it with organic flour. If you want biscuits, make them yourself. Make it with organic flour. Go back to basic and make sure you know exactly what you are eating. Right. And then the the second thing is, what can we do? If you're sitting here and you're someone like me listening to this, you're like, oh my gosh, I probably can go home and open up my cabinet and see things with folic acid. Even though like if you go to my kitchen, I have pretty much everything's organic. But since talking to you, I'm looking at the pea proteins and all these things that you mentioned the last time. And I'm like, oh, well, no, I can't have that. What can the average person do? Get rid of the packets. 
Get rid of the packets. That's the number one thing. Get rid of the damn packets that are processed food because almost all processed food has folic acid in it. And what do you consider processed food, Dr. Carolyn? Because, I mean, some things we have to... Breakfast breakfast cereal. Okay. That's a good start. So why not get some oats and make some porridge or go to the, the, the natural food market and buy all the ingredients you like in a granola and make your own. Put it all mm. together and make your own breakfast cereal. Have eggs or ha- make yourself an omelette or do a really nice smoothie. I mean, you probably don't want to do that in the middle of winter, but porridge and cereal and cook breakfast and, you know, go back to, I really like, I think I, did you make those zucchini fritters I sent you? I did. And I shared the ingredients and the recipe and mine, I put a picture on and mine didn't look probably as nice as yours, but we, I did do it. And some people did comment that they tried them and they thought they were delicious. They were really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making them a lot actually. So I made them that same weekend and I'll have to share with you my photo because it looked absolutely beautiful because I had organic, I put organic bacon with it and organic bacon. So you're like, yeah, go ahead and have the organic bacon. Absolutely. Look, there's my photo, organic bacon and avocado. All right. So you're going to send that to me and I'm going to share that with our listeners <laughs> and put myself to shame. And that was my breakfast. It looks amazing. And you know what's in it? It's the People would pay like $35 for that at a I know. And I had fresh basil in the garden. So I went and cut the fresh basil, chopped it up put it in. I didn't have all the ingredients it said. So I just made whatever fresh herb and you can just make them with any fresh herbs you like. So put your Mm -hmm. zucchini in and put whatever fresh herbs, whether you like parsley or basil or whatever, arugula, as you Mm -hmm. would call it, anything Mm -hmm. like that can go in there. So I think that the moral to the story is get away from folic acid. And I've had some patients who I have done nothing else because I know that they've got the MTHFR gene two copies and I know that for them to have folic acid is not good right not good if you have MTHFR because it makes the whole situation much worse because you've already got a block in your biologically active folate production so why would you be taking a folate that you have to uh, metabolize and at the very last step you still have a block so whereas your natural folates that you eat in your leafy green vegetables have a way better, faster approach to be converted and they don't need that enzyme. They so like your body recognizes those and well, uses Well, no, they them. don't need the enzyme to be metabolized. So gotcha. they bypass it, whereas folic okay. acid does. So I would say it's more difficult, but you can do it. Get back to eating not out of a packet. So give us an example. Remember, I wanted you to share because, you know, we can sit here and we can say, okay, well, how does that, what does that look like? You know, how does that really affect me and my health? So can you give me and my listeners, our listeners, a really good example of like a case in history that you have, that you've done, that you've seen these results where it's crazy cool. Thousands of patients, but one I think that would resonate with your listeners is I had, she was a postmenopausal, she's still a patient of mine, but she was postmenopausal when I saw her. She was depressed. She was anxious. She had so many gut issues that she could barely, you know, she couldn't go to the toilet or she was running to the toilet. She just literally could oh not gosh. leave her house because she was so embarrassed because she would literally have to try and run everywhere. How old was she when she She came was to- when I first saw her she was 58. Okay. She was in a quite a not a good relationship. So she, you know, she had that added stress. She wasn't sleeping. She had urinary issues. So she would be up all night. She got what she thought were urinary tract infections all the time. So she was on multiple antibiotics for those. Hmm. And so, and she's homozygous, so she's got two copies of the MTHFR gene. So I knew straight away that part of her problem was this, she just wasn't getting the active folate, which was affecting a mood and detox and everything else. So we started very simply by changing her diet. So we put her on a low oxalate, low histamine and no folic acid. So what does that look like? So so that would mean that the very high oxalate foods are carrot, 
celery, beetroot, potatoes, sweet potato, and nuts predominantly. There's others. Rhubarb, Wait, those uh, rhubarb, are the bad ones? They're the bad ones. Oh my gosh, and I so, eat all of those all the time. Seriously? You see, this is the thing ah! that I think it's so important to realize is that oh there are points in your life that you will need to do something special with your diet to get you back on track. Once you've got back on track, I think a really what I would call a broad ranging naturopathic diet is probably the best. As unprocessed as you can possibly be, lots of leafy greens, veggies, some fruits, lots of protein and as minimal grains as possible. That's what I think the ideal diet is for most people. But there are times in your life where you're going to come in and you're going to have a problem with something and you're going to have to go on a diet to fix it. And so for her, the oxalates were affecting pain. She had Mm. arthritis pain. They were also affecting her urinary system. So it made her want to go to the toilet a lot. It was keeping her up at night. She had urinary pain. She was depressed. So we also put her on a low histamine because histamine is a neurotransmitter and has the ability to make you really agitated and anxious. Mm -hmm. And when you've had a lot of gut issues, your histamine balance or your ability to get rid of that histamine can be affected. So it's a really good starting diet is the low histamine, low oxalate, no folic acid. So that might look like oats is fine. So you could have oats for breakfast. You can grind up some flax seeds, which are great for your hormones to clear toxic estrogens. You could put, you know, a bit of coconut oil in it if you wanted something like that. You can put seeds on top. So you could put some sunflower seeds. You could put some fruits that you're allowed. So you could put some berries like blueberries are probably the best. Um, You could put stewed apple on top. You could do a smoothie. There's many different things you could do. We made a, we suggested a granola for her so she could have the things that she could have. And she used to just literally just dry roast it in the oven for a couple of hours to make it nice and crunchy. Right. You're not trying to make somebody starve. It's not about that. No, no, absolutely not. In fact, the opposite. We want, we wanted her to be really well nourished and not die whatsoever. Okay. That's important. Um, Absolutely. So we said to her, you know, for lunch, maybe have some grilled chicken, some salad, some brown rice. She could have any sort of salads she wanted. She just had to avoid spinach because it's very high in oxalates and high in histamine. So we said you can use any other greens that you might want. And literally she came back in three weeks And I think the only other thing I gave her at the time was some B12 because I knew with her gut there was a potential problem with B12. And she came back in three weeks and she said, I cannot tell you how much better I feel. She said, all my pain is gone. Three weeks, her pain Like her arthritis pain was gone? Her arthritis pain was gone. Wow. Her urination, so her getting up through the night five, six, seven times had gone. Gone. Wow, so now she's sleeping. So now she's sleeping. Yikes. And then we just started to, we did a gut protocol. We did, we optimized her other vitamins and we just really helped her through it. She's had, and she's on really good levels of metabolically active folate. And she has not had any depression at all for five years. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And it's completely changed her life because she doesn't have any detox issues anymore. Her anxiety's non-existent. Her mood is really good. She now travels half the year. I'm pleased to say that she actually did leave that relationship. So she's, you know, she's on her own, but she's the happiest she's ever been. And, you know, she we just check in a couple of times a year and she's absolutely fine. So it doesn't have to be difficult. And she eats now, she now eats normally, but she does appreciate that she needs to start cooking. You know, she needs to cook for herself and not go back to the easy stuff out of the packet. Yeah. And that's the problem. And I even, even though I'm as organic as you can be and try to be as healthy as you can be, I'm going to go for the easy stuff. 
all day long. Yeah. It takes a bit of work. But once you, look, once you've made your granola, it's there for a week or two. Mm -hmm. You can then swap it out with your eggs and organic bacon and some avocado or make yourself an omelette. If I'm having breakfast, I sometimes fast till about 11 o'clock. If I'm having breakfast, I always have eggs. I'll have a one or two eggs. I'll have some organic bacon. I might make my zucchini fritters and have those with some avocado on top or some beautiful goat's cheese or something like that. You know, it, it doesn't need to be difficult. And I always say, whatever you're making for dinner, make extra so you've got it for lunch the next day. Right. So if you're right. having a roast chicken, you've got some chicken for a salad or you can do your, you know, you can have your leftover roast the next day. It's just that. And if you're going to have some pasta, make sure it's a really good non-processed pasta. So go to the health food. Do you have health food shops there? Do you call them health food shops or you call them? Yeah. A lot of people have health food stores around them. It depending on yeah. where they are. Yeah. So I go to the health food store and I might get an organic, I often buy organic edamame pasta or mm-hmm. I get a black bean pasta or I get a sorghum, organic sorghum pasta. And I might have that a couple of times a week. Like it doesn't have mean that you can't have things. It just means you've got to think about the source because right. most grains are sprayed with glyphosate or Roundup, right. which means that your nutrients are being affected anyway, because Roundup is actually an antibiotic. So it's changing the gut flora every time we eat it. So there's so many toxins, but I think if you're sensible and you get back to basics and think about how your grandparents ate, that's what you should be doing. Avoid packets. So let me ask you this question. So that's all really great advice. Right now, the big push that I'm seeing as an integrative health practitioner myself is that people are doing these food sensitivity tests. Like Mm -hmm. you can go and get them online, very simply, not very expensive. And then they're finding all these food sensitivities. So you are saying, well, I have eggs every day and I do this and I do that, which is great. And it sounds so wonderful. But for the person who just got their food sensitivity test back that said, and a lot of doctors will tell you this too. Yeah. Avoid eggs. They're highly inflammatory. But are they, if you're eating organic eggs, as opposed to caged eggs from the supermarket, it's exactly the same as the studies that came out about how inflammatory meat was. Don't eat meat. It's so inflammatory. Oh, you're saying it's all about the sourcing of it. Of course. So they did not do their research on grass-fed beef. It's not inflammatory. It doesn't have the same inflammatory effect on our bodies as grain-fed, non-pasteurized cow. So we're just getting one lots. side of the story here. We're getting, and that's what really annoyed me about that um, that documentary. That documentary yes. that sent everyone vegan because it wasn't a balanced discussion at all. So I think the biggest problem is the sourcing. What what are you eating? If you're eating something out of a packet, you have no clue what you're eating. It's true. You're right. You, you're right. you look at you look at the box, and there's 500 ingredients in the bottom. <laughs> But do you know everything that's in there? No. And half the time they hide it. Oh, with weird words. Yeah. Natural. Natural this, natural that. And what a load of rubbish. It's not, it's not natural at all. So Mm. it's about, it's really about getting back to knowing what you're eating. I go to the fish shop and I say to them, what is the wild caught fish you have today? I don't care if it's white. I don't care if it's pink. Just what is wild caught? Because I do not want farmed fish. I am not going to eat farmed fish. And Why? what do you say to someone? Yeah. And what do you say to someone who says, well, it's more expensive? Well, that's my choice. Right. I'm willing to pay more. I might get a smaller piece. So instead of having a 200 gram, oh, you don't work in grams, but no. um, <laughs> hang on. I just have to do a quick We do a few conversion. ounces here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So we sometimes sell pieces of fish. I'll, I'll just look up what 200 grams. <laughs> grams to ounces. So they sometimes give us fish 8.8 grams, uh, sorry, 8.8 ounces. 
okay. which is a big bit of fish. Yeah, that's so like I'm, two servings technically. Yes. Right. So I might say, give me a hundred, or if I change that to 120, I, I might say, give me a four, four ounce one. Mm. And that will okay. do the two of us because I would rather have my, and I get organic vegetables delivered to my door. So I literally eat whatever is seasonally fresh. So whatever comes to my door with the organic vegetables. And look, it costs me $60 a fortnight to do that. And I get organic eggs in the mix. So that's not a lot. No. I say pay now or pay later, right? Well, you look at what people have in their supermarket trolley. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me they don't spend more than $60 on rubbish. Yeah. Absolute rubbish. And so, you know, if my kids, when they were growing up, we used to make colourful crisps. So we used to grate beetroot and carrot and potatoes and put them in the oven and dehydrate them. And they could have, used to have those sort of chips when they were growing up, when they were little. (sighs) We literally made everything. I used to send them to school. And this is the other thing, you know, sending your kids to school. So I used to send them to school with, I had this cool little lunchbox, which was round. And there was a hole in the middle and then little compartments on the outside of that hole. And so it used to be a running joke because the kids at school would say to my daughters, we can't wait to see what's in your lunchbox today. Because they never for 12 years took a sandwich to school, ever. Wow. So they might have a dip and then they'd have cut up carrot or they'd have pieces of avocado or they'd have fried rice that I'd made that morning or a bit of frittata or they'd have meatballs with homemade tomato sauce and they used to just get a a complete variety because I didn't want them I mean sandwiches are not that great there's not that much nutrition and we want Mm -hmm. our kids brains to work and yet we I did a, a class at one of the schools for every week for like 12 weeks of the term just to try and introduce them to what was good and what was not so good and what's the difference between a protein and a carb and a fat and we went through all of that and the first week I said all right hands up everybody tell me what you have in your lunchbox what have you bought for lunch today so we went round the class peanut butter sandwich oh yeah jam jam I think you call it jelly jelly sandwich jelly that's it sugar sugar on sugar some (laughs) people had none they just had packets of crisps others had I mean it was the most horrible mishmash of disgusting food and I thought to myself oh my goodness like are we really expecting our kids brains to function with this yeah we really are yeah true story and us as parents are just doing what the commercials tell us to do yeah so it takes a bit more work but not much more work but it is so much better for you so if I was saying to your listeners what is the very first thing you can do avoid folic acid totally avoid it avoid it in your food avoid it in your multivitamins just do that step one avoid the folic acid okay wow this is huge huge stuff i'm shocked that we're not hearing more about it why do you think that is because it's too hard as i said the research isn't advanced enough my next research study will be on this very subject i really want to do a deep dive into the unmetabolized folic acid and i want to also do a research study with that's i did case studies before and i now need to do a double blind placebo trial to mm-hmm. show that the difference in folates makes a difference, particularly when it comes to fertility. And if it makes such a big difference in fertility, then it's going to make a such a big difference in mental health. It's going to make such a big difference in hormonal health. It's going to make such a big difference in detox. It just follows that if it works for one way better, it's got to work for the other. Mm -hmm. That was the second part to my two-part question. Here's another thought or question. So I ordered the test and when I get it, I'll do it. And what if my MTFYR comes back? I mean, can they come back with no problems? Do you see that? Or does everybody have some kind of an issue? Yes. So you could actually come back with a negative result, which means you have no mutations in either of the genes that they test. Which means However, what? But what does that mean well, if I have no... So it means that your MTHFR gene works normally in okay. that when it gets folate, the precursor to active folate, it will convert it. It will do quite a nice job. It still does not mean that folic acid isn't a problem. Okay, that's so good So this know. is my point. It doesn't matter whether you've got the MTHFR gene or not 
folic acid is still inhibiting and slowing down our folate pathway. Okay. That is a problem. Okay. And out of all the tests you get back, how many would you say, like, is there a percentage of issues? Do you see it being a chronic issue for people? Is it something that we need to be aware of? Well, a hundred percent of my patients obviously have the gene mutation because our, our company is called MTHFAR Support right. Australia, right? So we, we do. We have people from all over the world. The research tells us that 35% of the world's population can have a homozygous mutation, which means they've got two copies. And way more, up to 60% may have one copy. Now, that does not necessarily mean there's a problem because you can now appreciate that if their diet is really good and they're eating very healthy food, they're not having a lot of folic acid, they're eating a lot of leafy green vegetables, there's potentially no issue. Mm -hmm. But if that same person then was eating McDonald's and fast foods and lots of takeaway and drinking a lot and very stressed, then that becomes a problem. Okay. So think of it this way. You have the genes you have that you're born with, mm-hmm. but really it's the environment that impacts those genes. And that's and whether a you unlock exam. them or not, right? Whether they manifest. Yes. Whether they express. We're their exactly. ugly heads. <laughs> yeah. And so when you think about it, you know, if a woman is pregnant with her child and she is super stressed or she's in an abusive relationship or she's not eating properly or you know, she wasn't very healthy going into that pregnancy. You can imagine why some kids show this expression of certain genes very early on. So it doesn't mean because you have a gene mutation, you will have a problem. It means if you do, you've got to be even more careful. But if you don't, you still have to do the right things. Mm -hmm. Because anything in our environment can switch on or express any gene in the body, not just MTHFR. Right, right. Wow. This is amazing stuff. It's just crazy that you just don't hear about it. No, because it is considered so. When I talk about, when I talk to some doctors and I, you know, I'm doing presentations, they say, or more importantly, when my patients come to see me, they'll say, my doctor said this is rubbish. My specialist said it doesn't matter. My mother said that this is absolute boulder dash and you're all off with (laughs) the pixies. And and it's simple biochemistry. It is simple biochemistry. And the the reason most doctors and specialists don't know it is because their biochemical training is weeks, not years, weeks. They don't learn it. So they don't understand it. Do you know, most doctors don't consider nutrition to be an important part of everyday health. I do know that. Having through the course, yeah. That's idiotic. It's insane to Mm -hmm. say, you know, that's just not, it doesn't make any difference your diet. What a lot of hogswash. I I mean, ridiculous. How do we change that? It comes from the consumer. So the consumer, every time a doctor says that to them, they say, thanks, doc, I'm out of here. And you walk away and you find someone else because it's going to be the wave of patients out there who say, I'm sick and tired of feeling like rubbish. I'm sick and tired of being told the wrong things. These why these summits and these blogs and podcasts are so important because I firmly believe you have to empower people to know what is right and what isn't. So when they hear something that's absolute rubbish, they can turn around and say, well, that actually doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm leaving this office and I'm not coming back. And yeah. so you find someone who resonates with you, who says in sensible things, that does believe in diet, that does believe you can change your health. Like I, I had a patient not long ago who's unfortunately, he was told at the age of 18 that his health conditions were there for life and he would never, ever have a normal life and that was just something he had to live with. Now, wow, his health conditions, his what, what, like, they were was so he bad, he couldn't actually get out of the bed. Seriously? He, he could not get out of the bed. He could not He could not work. He could not socialize. He was in, he just had horrific pain and migraines and gut issues and he was told this is your lot in life this is how you have to live out your life 
what rubbish. So so he went to see an integrative doctor who got him 20% better and then he came to see another integrative doctor who added another 10% and we've now been working with him for about a year and a half and he's probably 90% back to normal. So he's out of bed. He's out of bed. He's back at work. He's doing what he needs to do. He's got a life. And so I just think if you don't hear an answer that makes sense to you, you get up and you walk out Mm -hmm. and you say, okay, thanks doc, but I'm going elsewhere. Why are you going elsewhere? Because you can't help me. Right. There's got to be an answer. There's always an answer. You just have to find the right person for you. And there's going to be many, many great integrative doctors around the world that can go, yep, I can help you. You've just got to find them. Problem is they're so busy that they often close their books. Right. And that's that's what ends up being, you know, the sad thing. And that's why I've really decided my focus has to be on really training other practitioners to teach them how to do what we do and look at genomics and look at susceptibility of genetics and then really understand how you can use nutrients and supplements and amino acids and diet by changing things. And you've just got to start one at a time. You know, you can't, it's sad that we've ended up in this chronic, everybody's in a chronic health condition now. They're not acute, they're all chronic. And, you know, acute care in doctors and emergency centers, it's absolutely, Absolutely brilliant. You couldn't ask for more. They mm-hmm. save so many lives, it's ridiculous. But for chronic conditions, it doesn't help to give someone medication and then give them a second medication to cover up the side effects of the first and the third for the second and the fourth for the third, etc. If your blood pressure is high, don't go on medication. Make sure you find out how you can bring it down. Does that mean losing weight? Does it mean changing your diet? Does it mean doing more exercise? Does it mean taking some herbal supplements? Does it mean taking some nutritional supplements? Do you have a family history of cardiovascular disease? All of these things, you've got to be thinking preventative rather than I'm going to eat crap and I'm going to abuse my body and I'll try and fix it when I'm, you know, 60. Yeah, and you you can't just give in to the diagnosis, right? No. You have to to find your way out of it, fix it from the... Look, I had a typical example. So I would go to the doctor once every two years, probably for a checkup to my GP. I can't tell you the last time I had to go to a specialist, but I woke up one morning and I had burning pain in my hands. Like I'm talking burning pain. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And it it escalated and it got worse and worse and worse. And I tried everything. I tried my herbs, tried everything. And it was just escalating to the point where I didn't even get one hour sleep a night because the pain was so incredible. And I knew that it was coming from my, so just above my breastbone, it was sort of coming from what I would call the brachial plexus. It was coming in, um, you know, above the breast. And it was just going to your hands? Going all the way down my arms and my hands were burning. So I'd have to get up and it always happened when I was lying down in bed. So I went to see my doctor and she said, oh, you're going to have to see a neurosurgeon. You know, there could be something, a nerve impinged or whatever. So I went to see this neurosurgeon, had all the tests known to mankind. And he said, you've got carpal tunnel. We need to do an emergency surgery on both your hands, to, which is op- they operate across there and cut it. And and I said, it's not carpal tunnel. And he said, it is. I said, no, it's not. I said, can carpal, <laughs> no, carpal, can carpal tunnel be relieved by mobilizing T4, which is one of the thoracic, because that's what my physiotherapist had done. She'd mobilized T4 and had actually taken the pain away. And he said, no. And I said, well, it's not carpal tunnel. He said, well, it is. And you've got to come back and you've got to get it done. I said, well, I'm not going to do that. So I went to see another, I saw a sports medicine doctor and he said, look, I'm just going to give you a big course in steroids to calm down the inflammation until we can find out what is causing this. So he said, I'm going to refer you to these four people. And I took the steroids for 10 days. Mind you, you this did take done. the steroids. Oh, I had to. I was suicidal really? at this point because I, oh my could not, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. Oh my god! And so 10, because it'd been going on for about a month and a half and I hadn't had more than half hour sleep any night. And you have so I took it for 10 days. And it went. And I went back to see this neurosurgeon, another neurosurgeon, and I said, all right, 
here's all my x-rays, here's all my results. This is what the sports medicine doctor thinks it could be, one of four things. What do you think? And we sat there and we discussed everything. And he said, I agree with you, it's not carpal tunnel. He said, I think another one was the brachial plexus, but we'd had a we'd had a x-ray or we'd had an ultrasound and an x-ray of that. And he said, no, I don't think it's that either. He said, look, all I think we can put it down to is something flared. He said, I know you don't want to hear this, but something has flared you up. And, and the fact that the steroids brought it down again, let's hope it doesn't happen again. And that was two and a half years ago. But imagine if I had gone in to that. Oh, and then had the surgery right away. It wouldn't have fixed anything because if it was carpal tunnel, the, given the amount of time I spend at a computer each day, I would yeah. still have the symptoms. Yeah. So my gut feel was, no, this guy is not right. And I walked out and said, well, thanks, but no thanks. So I just think people have to be way more sure of themselves. And if something doesn't feel right, they have to say, no, I want to go and get another answer. Absolutely. Yeah. I think everybody just gives this, I don't know, this godlike thing to the doctor that well, they yes. can- they own them and they can tell and them what they need to do. They're the all-knowing. Yes. And I think older They're people not. particularly have very much that sense of doctors are gods. Younger people don't. They question it a lot more. So I would say to your older listeners, question it. If something doesn't feel right, question it and say, no, that actually doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to see someone else. And yeah, if, it, if it means you've got, to, you've got to keep going until something makes sense, like this was the third neurosurgeon I saw. Wow. Finally, I was talking to someone who was sensible, who was reasonable, and at the end of the day said, look, I actually don't know what did this, but let's keep an eye on it. So if it does again, we'll, we'll be onto it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that was a sensible reaction. I didn't want both hands operating on with an eight-week recovery. I mean, stupid. So anyway, it just means that we've got to be more vigilant and we've got to be, we've got to educate ourselves more and we've got to understand at some level, I don't expect everyone to be a doctor or everyone to be a biochemist, but at some level, you need to understand what is going on in your body and you need to be able to say that makes sense to me or that does not. Right. And you got to be willing to, to do the work to get the end result that you desire. Yeah. And you've got to be also confident enough in your own ability to be able to say to someone who's not making sense to you, thank you for your time, but this does not make sense to me. I'm going to get another opinion. Right. And I think a lot of people feel funny doing that and don't have the confidence to do that. But I would say really do just listen to podcasts, listen to different people, educate yourself to the point just that you know whether or not something makes sense. Right. And go Uh, back to basics. Go back to basics. It doesn't need to be difficult, but definitely go back to basics. Absolutely. And that's been the whole whole thing that you've been talking about with the folate and folic acid is the more basic you can be, the better off you are. Absolutely. Particularly with the amount of rubbish in our foods nowadays, we don't know half the time where it's coming from. Right. So Dr. Carolyn, share again with us how we can get in touch with you. Our web website is mthfrsupport.com.au. Our Facebook page is mthfr support global, I think, is it? <laughs> You've got it in you got it in front of you. I can't, you we've got so many Facebook me. pages I can't remember. MTHFR Support Global, I think, is our Facebook page. And we also have our US site mthfrfertility.com and MTHFR support. I oh, see I've been on holidays too long, haven't I? MTHFR what's the US site? MTHFR support. Oh my god. I don't have it in front of me. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, put, <laughs> yeah don't worry. We'll put it in the show notes. And and you also have I I found you through a newsletter or something. Yes, we have newsletters, which they can sign up on our website, mthfarsupport.com.au. There's lots of information. There's lots of webinars. So I would just encourage people to jump on to the site, sign up for our newsletter. We do lots of different podcasts and 
webinars for patients and post up blogs and things that they can read and familiarize themselves with. Yeah, the newsletters are great and they're very understandable and speak speak in everyday language that you can really relate to. That's how I found you. <laughs> oh, like, that's good. Oh, she makes sense. I got to ask her to be on the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. Good. So thank you so much. And we're going to have you back again and we'll figure out the next topic that will work following the series for this gene and what we can do. And hopefully in the meantime, I'll get my test and I will submit it and we can kind of follow that process and see, you know, maybe there's a, a thing that I have <laughs> or not. And then we can follow that. However, that looks mm. that, that yes. could be interesting because I'm open to whatever is out there and we'll go from there. Right. So thank you, Dr. Carolyn. Do you have anything you want to leave with us today? I would just say that new year, new rules, right? So think about how do you do something differently? I have a saying that I love. If you do the same thing all the time and expect a different outcome, that's not a very sensible thing to do. If you want a different outcome to what you've got now, you have to change something. So new year, new rules, just get out those recipe books, think about how you're going to change, how you're eating. And it only needs to be, you know, you could just start with breakfast. How do I improve my breakfast? Right. You know, little how do tiny I? Tiny goals, right? Little tiny goals. Yeah. It doesn't have, you don't have to turn your whole life upside down. It's too hard to do that. But you could say, all right, I'm just going to make sure that I improve my breakfast. I'm going to find six or seven recipes that I love to make and I'll make it for the whole family. And we're going to start with that. And just a side note, I started making oatmeal. There you go. <laughs> all by myself. Very <laughs> good. Del- Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's all because of you. And it actually is delicious yes. and easy, way easier than I it's thought it would so be. so easy. And because it's winter, it's the most beautiful, warming, lovely thing to have for breakfast. It is. It's been amazing. And then all of a sudden, when I get on my Peloton, I have way more energy and I'm not dreading it. It's amazing what a good fuel source and food source can do for your mental attitude when you're doing something you really just don't want to do, (laughs) but you love when you're done just to get on the darn thing or just to go out the door and do the things that you need to do to have your body equipped to handle what's going to be put in your face is so important. It is. It really and is. I thank you so much again for your time, Dr. Carolyn. Always a pleasure. And if you all could see her, I'll put another picture up. But <laughs> this woman looks amazing. She walks the walk and talks the talk and she lives it and something to aspire for, for us all. And it's never too late to change and feel your best and look your best. So thank you, Dr. Carolyn, for being part again of our Get Your House in Order series. And You're until most welcome, time. Wendy. Thank Look you. Look forward to it. Thank you. And breathe in your second win. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, Make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.